now. Um, get, get started, okay. The other thing is this view, um, where can you click where it says gallery view? Yep. Mm -hmm. So it should change the view on your screen so that yep. we're side by side. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, awesome. Because it will record. I'm going to change mine too just to make sure. It, it will record us just like this, which looks a lot better. That's the whole. Okay. All right. So you got your coffee. You ready? <laughs> I am. <laughs> okay. We'll get started. So Mary, it's great to see you. Um, how are you? What have the last four weeks been like for you? You know, great to see you too, Amy. It's been uh, a little crazy, to say the least. Uh, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of questions about what was my business strategy? What should my business strategy be? And what does the future look like? So it's been all over the board. So you've been spending time with your clients, um, helping support their strategy and their pivoting to that yeah. new strategy. Once we get through the panic phase, yeah, then we move to the strategy phase. <laughs> I know it's crazy because you and I sat down in January and and worked out our strategic plan for Human Point and just got moving on it. And now I feel like I could just take that and throw it out a window. I mean, it's it's done. You know, do you uh, agree with that? Or? Completely agree with that. There might be some pieces that you're able to salvage, but the timing of it is going to be completely different. Um, and the future that we're facing is completely different than it was six months ago. And, you know, I don't think we're ever going back to normal, whatever people consider normal. I'm just calling it the new abnormal because we don't know what it's actually going to look like and which then requires a new strategic plan. But a lot of the plans, specifically the one that, you know, we, we created, um, is really what's called a growth plan. And a growth plan is iterative, meaning that given when there are outside circumstances, the O and the T, the opportunities and threats in the SWAT come about, you can go back in and make changes. And the plan should have a solid enough foundation that you don't have to rip up the entire thing. There's pieces that you can, you can take. But the reason that most of these plans will be readjusted significantly is that um, the future completely changed. You know, the, the way that we're going to work, how we're going to work, who's going to work, where's our revenue coming from, just took a gigantic leap off of the Grand Canyon. And we don't know where the bottom is. <laughs> wow. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So the, the, from talking to the clients that I'm working with, you know, every state has a different strategy. We have no national strategy for how we're approaching this. Um, some businesses have been helped out. Some have not. It's a complete crapshoot as to who's gotten the PPP or who hasn't. And what companies had enough cash resources to keep them going and, and who didn't. Different yeah. industries have been affected differently, depending on who had good lobbies in Washington when the CARE Act was written and who didn't. <laughs> so, um, 
so the the future for each of those different industries and each of those different regionalities or localities is going to be a little different. So depending on whether or not you have a local or a national strategy for your business, you don't know where that's going to land. So you have to go back to square one and say, what's the future? Given everything that I know today, how can I predict what the U.S. or my state or my region is going to look like six months from now? And then you go back to your plan and pull out pieces that might work for that and then build the rest of it around it. Thank you. So as you're working with these clients, what emotions are you seeing them navigate? And how are you working with them through those emotions? Um, well, it's your classic change curve. This is, this is classic stage one where the panic and the grief and the loss and everything else settles in in the first phase. And depending upon the resilience that some of these people have or don't have is how well they'll get through phase one. If they don't make it through phase one, forget about phase two and three, never happening, right? So they're just going down the slide, the first phase of the, of the, of the change curve, and they don't know where they're going to land. And so the people that have more resilience have a little bit more confidence that we'll get through this. This too shall pass. We just have to navigate towards the future. And yes, there's loss. They're grieving. This was my business yesterday is not my business tomorrow. I'm, you know, everything I've saved for for my retirement's gone. I've had to lose half my staff or my whole staff. You know, everything about their business has been disrupted. Amen, sister. Yeah, right. And so you just go, okay, so that was that. You grieve for it. You mourn it. You go, I'm, I'm sorry. It sucks. I hate this. What can I do going forward? So the, the people that kind of get their head around that are navigating this thing a little bit better. Yeah. And, and, and there's no shortcut to phase one, right? No, you, just have to, you have to go yeah. through it. The only thing you can do is shorten its time. You know, am I just going to, you know, bite the bullet and, and get over it? It's like they say, pull that Band-Aid off and just rip it, right? Just rip it off. It sucks. Cry, grieve, stomp your feet, moan, drink, whatever. <laughs> get yourself through it, right? Um, and then, yeah, you don't really know what's in my coffee this morning. Uh, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure I do know what's in your coffee, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Little Bailey's, Kahlua, maybe. <laughs> I'm Irish, so we have a, a special way of making coffee. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, well, that goes, back, that goes back to what you said a moment ago about the strategy. You know, you, you know kind of what you described as facing the, facing the facts, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the sooner someone is going to be willing to come to terms with the reality, then and only then can they work on the strategy. But, you know, what do you say to the person right now who's avoiding or doing nothing to make decisions around that? And they're still living in this world of believing that the strategic plan that they had pre-COVID is the same plan that they're working off of. What do you say to that person? Well, the, the, I go back to a phrase that I learned a long time ago which is so this is massive change massive disruption more so you know than anything in the past 100 years 
it's not the um, the like the Great Recession was 10 years ago or 12 years ago, whenever that was. It's more like the Great Depression combined with a pandemic, right? So it's just bad. There's there's nothing that any of us have gone through that is of the of the equivalent. Yes. So I go back to a phrase that it's that change will not happen until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain, the perceived pain of changing. So until it's really bad and we, we acknowledge that's like, oh, I'm going to burn up or the fire's too hot, I need to move, I'm not going to move to that next phase because we perceive that next phase is really scary because it's unknown. And you so, just described you just described my dieting strategy. Exactly. <laughs> when my clothes don't fit, that's when I get really serious go. about the it. The pain of staying the same is greater than the perceived pain of changing, right? Yeah. So this is what happens. So my bank account's down to nothing. The strategic plan is in tatters. I've lost half of my clients and my employees. Okay. I got to change. But wouldn't it it make more sense to not let things get to there and pivot now and, and, and refocus and reframe the vision for the business now based on what we know? Like, wouldn't that make more sense? This is what good leaders are doing. And it all goes back to the analogy I use when I'm talking about change is that we all have a, a, a kind of a built in, um, barometer for change you know how we handle it take all the people and this is a hundred percent 20 percent of those people are at the top end they're the people who are change agents they don't mind it's okay i'm kind of in that category so people kind of look at me like i'm nuts half the time right okay no but i've called on you a lot in the last four weeks (laughs) like okay i'm fine with that then, yeah. the, then there's the other 20% of the people that are at the very bottom of it. It's like, do not move my cheese. Don't ever move my cheese. I'm living in the same house that my parents grew up in and that my grandparents grew up in, and I'm never changing, right? It's very, very difficult to get those people moving along. Most of the people are in that 60% in the middle. Most of those people you can move forward. You know, you're, the idea is just move them forward incrementally. We don't need them to be at the top end here, but we need them to be moving forward. And so leaders have to go to that top end. Leaders have to go first. You have to be willing to say, I'll, I'll take the lead. I'll take you up that mountain. You know, if we might be wrong, it's okay. But at least yeah. we're moving. We've got to get people. We're doing moving. something. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Anything is better than staying the same because that's just going to get worse. Right. Thank you. I really appreciate your insight on that. And it's, it's, it's the kick in the pants that I think you're so good at doing naturally for leaders. Like let's go people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So what do you think? uh, So, you know, some businesses are getting, PPP loans and disaster loans and and it kind of it's kind of the way you're describing this this change curve. Some businesses have been very fortunate to get them. Some will never get them. Some are waiting on this next phase. And so there's this whole timeline of where funding has come or it hasn't come. And how do you see us moving from where we are right now, which I would describe still as pretty much chaos state 
um, into that next phase of the change curve. What, what is your sense on the timeline and what that might look like? Well, the first thing that I'm telling clients is A, not to take too big of a chunk of time. You can only predict as much as you have information for, and that may be only three or four months out. Okay, you, yes. you, you may, it may be only a few weeks out. I mean, I was kind of disappointed yesterday to hear that, you know, the governor talks about, you know, what we're going to do, but he didn't give any dates. I'll tell you on Friday. Well, come on, dude, we got a plan, right? Yeah. So go out with the plan with as much detail as you possibly can to help people. I, it's funny that you say that because I had that exact conversation this morning. I'm like, even if the date's wrong, give us a date. Right. You know, right. even if you change it on Friday, don't come out and say it's not this date, but don't give us another date. Leadership is saying it's the 15th. And then if you hear different from your committee, you know, by the end of the week, give an update, but don't say not this, but we don't know. That's right. worse. Like, I 100% agree. Right. What's going to change between Wednesday and Friday? Not much, dude. You've got as yeah. much information as you need. So help yeah. us move just make through. a decision. Yeah. Right. So, so that would have been helpful. So, so as, as much data as you can, you know, 80% of the information, you know, with the confidence knowing that it might change and always leaving yourself that, that window to move out, you know, yeah. this is what, based on the information I have today, this is what I think we're going to do. As I gain more information, you know, we'll move along. But the other thing that's really important is to focus on an offensive strategy versus a defensive strategy. So tell me about that. A lot of a lot of people are going like, okay, well, I'm going to hunker down. This is how much money I have, you know, and I'm going to keep, and I'm just going to try and keep keep going as we were. As you were is gone. Don't yeah. go there. Okay. So it's about what are my opportunities. What are the opportunities given what we know today? So in our consulting world, what do clients need? Well, they're going to need more help with strategic plans. You know, we've been focusing on, on leadership development and uh, group coaching, but we're going to have to move into strategy because that's where clients are going to be. And we're yeah. also going to have to help um, people navigate through this because, you know, there's a huge range of emotions that people are having, both good and bad with this whole thing. So what are the, so the, kind of the, emotional, the emotional processing of the change management? Correct. You know, and, you know, it's the equivalent of, you know, holding a CEO's hand basically is what this is. And so we're going to have to say, who else is going to need us? What are those, you know, maybe we have to change our approach as to which clients we're going after. Maybe there's other coaches out there who, you know, don't want to be on their own anymore that we bring into the practice. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's opportunities in literally everything. And so you have to start looking at those. How are our clients going to buy differently? Where can we go? Are there acquisition opportunities? Do we really need that office? I don't know. Maybe we don't anymore. Maybe, you know, everybody know. to a virtual world. That is such a you good know? question, isn't it? I, I have that huge question in my mind about, about uh, physical space. And now that we've had this case study that has proven that many, many businesses that didn't think that they could work remotely um, can, which, you know, some are surprised. And even some CEOs have gone out, come out and said, wow, I was wrong. You know, right. my team could do it. So then what does the future look like for those individuals going back to work? So right. you, you've, described, you've described this world where 
once we sort of grieve the past, we can look at how we can make lemons out of lemonade. Correct. And it's the, we're, we adapted. Human beings are very adaptive. So boom, you know, once we realized the scope of the, uh, you know, change and the disease and how it was affecting everybody, we went into, you know, complete lockdown. I don't think it was overkill. I think it was probably a good idea. Now, what we have to do is say, okay, that was pretty quick. We were able to adapt to that pretty quickly. What of those things that we chose to do are things we want to keep moving forward? Right. We don't we don't want to abandon them all because some of them are actually working kind of good. Things that we never thought possible are actually possible. Hmm. Will this save me money in the organization? Does this provide more um, flexibility for my employees? Does it save traffic and gas? Because not everybody has to get up every day and go into the office. Could we do a shared schedule where they're half home, half there? How might this work? You know, and there's a lot of CEOs who came, not a spring chicken, you know, my age or so that had, I don't, but a lot of them had this belief, oh, you can't trust people if they're working from home. You know, I, if I can't see them, you know, they're not working, which a long time I've said is complete nonsense. And now they're getting an opportunity to see it does work. It works just fine. And you can trust people if you've hired the right people. If you haven't, well, then you can't trust them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And you know, this is another test of the, the, the talent in your organization today, right? How, yeah. how is the resilience level of your company, not just the leader, but the collective organization? Yeah, and you, you know, it's people. How are they dealing that, with this? Are they panicking? Are they bringing people together? You'll see leadership pop up in this. Um, you know, it's interesting, um, in the 08 downturn, you know, I, I saw a huge difference in companies that we work with that continue to work with us in leadership development. When the economy came back, they were in much better shape than the companies that turned it off because they felt like, oh, the market's down. We don't need to bring in more leadership right now. But the ones that kind of steady, continue to build their people, when, when things came back up, we saw huge growth trajectories in those companies. So what would you say to a leader right now who's thinking, I don't need to build leaders right now. We're kind of constricting or we're getting smaller. You mentioned the strategy piece being a good focus area, but how, what, how would you tie this into leader development um, based on current situation? Well, if you think about it, one of my clients, how they put it was, you have EAP, our employee assistance programs, for the majority of your employees, you know, when they get into a place where they're not quite sure what's going on. I consider what we do LOP or LAP, uh, LAP, I guess, LAP, although that's a terrible anachronism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, leadership assistance program. Because what happens um, in organizations, particularly professional services organizations, what's the product that you have? The product that you have is in between the two ears of the individuals who walk in your office every day. And so that's a human being. That's a human being with a product that we're hoping to leverage and sell to our clients. And if you don't take care of that individual, you're not going to have a product to sell. And so now more than any other time is going to be an important time to take care of those people. 
and not just with leadership development, but just support. How can we support those individuals? And if you don't support yes. your leaders, how can your leaders support those individuals? So it yeah, all it's starts just a cascading. completely. It all goes all the way down. And so, you know, I've been coaching for 20 years. In good times and in bad, the people who keep their coaches and keep the assistants are the ones who survive. It's not like, think about a, a basketball team or something like that. A, 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 a high-level athlete doesn't stop using coaches just because the game's not being played, right? They're still practicing. They're still using their coaches all the time in the hopes the that the games, they're going to be on the field sometime soon. And that's the investment that organizations have to make in their people um, just like they would make an investment in a new building. This is for the future and not the time to be cutting it. It's like, I always hear this, oh, well, we're going into a period of constriction. We're going to cut marketing. And that's the stupidest thing you can do, right? Spend your money on marketing. Get your name out there because other people are going to be pulling back. Be the one that leads, not the one that follows. And that's exactly what we want to do with leadership development and people development. Same thing as marketing. It's a missed opportunity if you, if you go there. Thank you, Mary. You know, it's interesting. The perspective you just laid out is very interesting. So you described a world where strategic planning is, is the future is not the same that you and you originally wrote your plan on. So you have a strategic plan that's two or three years out, but you have to live in very short horizons mm -hmm. and be very agile. And then you described leadership development as a long-term investment, okay, and a short-term support structure um, for, to support leaders, um, like a leader assistance program because they are navigating so much uncertainty. So having someone to speak to and to download and to support them in that, they get that short-term benefit and you're investing in this long-term benefit. So it's kind of like leaders need to be able to shift gears from long-term to short-term uh, um, really quickly, both on the strategy side and on the leader side. Yes. And how they're investing in leadership. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. You, you summed it up very well. <laughs> well, that's given me a lot to think about, Mary, and I appreciate you. And thank you for taking this time today to have coffee and, and share your wisdom with us all. And um, I'd love to get back together with you in a month or so. And let's see where we are then. And let's talk about the next phase of this happy, change. Curve happy to do that. And I just want to keep encouraging leaders and businesses to keep going. It's not like people are going to stop buying things. So yes. you know, we have to redesign our businesses for whatever post-COVID is going to look like. Great. Thank you, Mary. Cheers to Cheers. you. Bye, everybody. Thank you.